Hello everybody, before we jump into the show today, I just wanted to say that this episode is brought to you by Shy City Shogun. Currently he's pledged on our Patreon page and helping support the show. If you too would like to pledge to our Patreon and get a bunch of sweet rewards, head over to patreon.com forward slash backlash podcast. Thank you so much, let's dive in. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, let's. I'm gonna bring us in. Yeah, let's go. All right. Hello, everybody. My name is. Oh, sorry, that's. Oh shit, no. That was horrible. You don't. Know, you GHP. <laughs> that up. Okay, let's start over. It's your fault. I don't know why, but it's. I'm blaming you. Okay, ready. Go. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. I can't. Hold on. <laughs> I, how do I? How do I normally bring us in? I can't even like. Uh. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to, welcome the, to the Backlash, Backlash Podcast. My name is... Okay, perfect. Okay, yeah. we're going to do this for real. Ready? Let's go. Okay. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Backlash Podcast, where me, T Chamber Five, and my co-host, Notorious GHP, talk about Eternal. GHP, how are you doing, buddy? I'm great. We have the Master Challenge this weekend for Constructed. Whoa, you're just like no foreplay. You're just jumping into our topics. No, I'm excited. Yeah, I am also quite hyped for this event, honestly. Stuff like this is what like makes me really want to play Eternal. So when we have stuff like this, like it's constantly on my mind, even just throughout my day. I'm just like, what about this? Yeah, totally. No, I I agree. I when. <laughs> Before I had a child, um, I played a lot of competitive magic, and like, like the highlight of I I usually got out like once a month to go to a PPTQ or something, and uh, the highlight of my month every month would be going out and competing in like seven rounds. And I only I like you know I I never did like super super well, and like I did I did pretty good in a couple of PTQs like whatever, but it was it was always like high level competition in almost anything, whether it's like. You know, I used to cook, whether it's cooking or, or you know, pl- uh, playing magic or eternal, like high level competition is my favorite thing. And I am super excited because not only did both of us qualify, but we have a chance to, to make it to Worlds. Um, so both of us are qualified and the competition is just going to be top notch. And so I'm very excited. Yeah, this is going to be a really tough field to crack. And whoever wins this, like, I'm just gonna admit it. There's gonna be some luck involved because this is a really stacked field. Like this is much. This is harder to win than an easy. Oh, for sure. sure. Just like the quality of player you play. Um, and with that in mind, uh, I think whoever wins this, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of luck involved. But like, I don't. I think the odds of someone winning this tournament and us going, "Who are you?" is so is really low compared to any other. Yeah, and I think um, uh, who's oh Noverb uh, also uh, also qualified for the the world championship, but he's been keeping track of which players are qualified for uh, the Masters Challenge, and he re- he put out a spreadsheet a little while ago, and yeah, I was looking through the list and I was like, oh man, this is like 
like everybody that I've ever played on ladder and been like, oh wow, this player's really good, or anybody that I've ever heard of that's won tournaments, like they're everybody's qualified. So it's gonna be, yeah, stacked is the perfect word for it, honestly. Yeah, it's it's gonna be exciting. There's gonna there's gonna be a lot of you know you look through the top six people and you're like, wow, this is stacked. But truthfully, you're gonna look through the other you know three hundred and something people and you're gonna go, wow, there's a lot of big names that didn't make. It. Well, and that's the crazy yeah, part. Yeah, ex exactly. And it's it's you know there's so much variance in in the ECQs, uh, just because it's it's twenty uh, sorry well not twenty four twenty eight games it's twenty eight games and you know you can face a wide swath of like janky decks or or whatever uh, or or like just like random people who who get lucky and we'll talk about this a little bit later. I want to start with some other things first, but like uh, the the format of the constructed masters challenge. Um, is a little bit wonky. Uh, it's got some pros and cons, but I, I think it's. I think we're going to see some top level top level players do very very well with some really highly tuned decks. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Um, yeah, me yeah. too. Um, but yeah, so uh, today we're going to talk about uh, our first impressions of Dark Frontier. Then we're going to touch on the uh, Eternal Tournament series and the ECL that happened this weekend as well. Uh, and then uh, we'll talk about the draft challenge that happened this past weekend, and then we'll uh, circle back and uh, kind of talk a little bit more in depth about the ranked challenge. We were just, we were both just very excited, so we kind of just went off on a tangent there. <laughs> so uh, we weren't, you know, we had audio technical issues last week, uh, like Audacity crashed. It's a great program, but it's free, so we didn't get to talk about uh, most. You know, we didn't get to talk about you. Uh, last week you won the ETS, and you won it with Stone Scar Midrange. So uh, you know it, this is kind of old information. Everybody kind of knows this, and you've done a couple of interviews. But um, why don't you briefly touch on why you brought Stone Scar Midrange, how you built it, and um, also like, do you still think the deck is good? So I'm going to start with the last question you asked, and that's do I think it's still good? I think Stone Scar is still good. I think the deck needs some extra refining. Um, I think the what merchant you play is still like, I can you can make a lot of arguments. Uh, the market cards, you know, the meta has changed in the last almost two weeks. Um, and maybe some of your market cards or your main deck cards at this point should be swapped. Um, as people could see, like I played the deck as well in uh, ECL, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I played the ECL event last Sunday with the same deck with a few uh -huh. changes. The thing about it is the deck is just doing something powerful, and it can be proactive without being like you know dead to a snowball or dead to a hailstorm, which is what I think is the attractive point of the deck for a lot of players. Yeah. Well, it can go it can go over the aggro decks, right? So if there's like a Stone Scar or a Skycrag aggro that's running Oni Ronins and, and stuff. Like you can go, or even Hojon decks. Like you can go over those decks, but you're going under the mid-range decks, right? So, exactly. Yeah, that's what's appealing to it about, about it to me. Yeah, and that was what I liked. Is like I love to be the beatdown card games, but I don't like to be the beatdown that like your opponent play, plays, you know, a Hearthstone. You're like, I should probably scoop now. Right. Um, this deck is quite good into Hearthstone. Yeah, there's a fair few things that die, but like. If you think about Hearthstone, you can usually make it, you know, only a one-for-one, for, one, for example. Uh, yeah. It, unless your hand is kind of just clunky, which that happens. Um, but I 
played Stone Scar basically kind of you you just nailed it. Um, I do a lot of people want to play either aggressive decks or combo decks for the first ETS with the set, and I went okay. Well, my deck I want to play a deck that's practical. I knew I wanted to be the beat, and that was so I could deal with the combo decks. And I was already like had a card like Shakedown where I could have you know some hand hate as uh -huh. well, and. Then I realized, well, if people are going to play aggro, I want to go slightly bigger. And this is where I went, well, let's actually just... It's, I was going to play Stone Square aggro, like, uh, you've been playing, and I at Bostrom has been playing at events recently. And uh, I was going to play a list with, you know, Odi Road and Pyronites, whatever. And then eventually decided that I'd rather go a little bigger and play some Varus, play some Highway Beds, and some Equip Strikes. Mm-hmm. And that paid off because uh, when you go slightly bigger in, against uh, aggressive decks, but not too big, just slightly, you typically are favored. Um, yeah. Because you have, you could still race them if needed, you can still be proactive, but you also have, uh, if you're kind of just trading resources or blocking a bunch, you have something more to build towards than they do. So in our case, it's like a card like Vera. Yeah. So. I tried the deck uh, a little bit. I knew the deck was powerful, but I didn't uh, have a good build. And then at 4 o'clock in the morning my time, I asked Paradox to help me, who I just knew was like one of the, uh, safe to say, leading experts in the Stone Scar midrange department right, right now. Um, and I just asked him, hey, I want to build this deck. He was like... Here's like 45 of the cards that I want to play. Help me fill the last five before I go to sleep. And we made a list. Uh, I told him, I was like, if you tell me, or if you were to tell me right now that this is good, the deck I'm going to win the first, my first ETS with, I'd believe. Oh, wow. Huh, that's funny. Yeah, I like, no, the deck just like looked, you know, perfect for my style. Uh, it looked like something I would want to play. I didn't get to jam any games with our version. It turned, you know, pay it off. But realistically, like I have to thank Paradox because Paradox helped me fill out the last bit of the deck and convinced me not to play Obliterate, which was a good life choice. Yeah, I think um, just on that note, like on the Obliterate note, like I think a lot of people have been cutting Obliterate and putting in Eclipse Dragon. And e Eclipse yeah. Dragon is very powerful, but I honestly haven't been sold on it in Stonescar. Um, and I, I do like Obliterate better. But that's that might just be me. Maybe I'm you know I'm a trash player anyway. So uh. I'm really not high on the card just as a card in general yeah, really. because it can be quite clunky. I agree. Like you can go, well, Flame Blast doesn't kill Titan, but on five, but Obliterates. But then you're paying five mana for a kill spell, five power. Yeah, and like, that's, that's not a constructive worthy rate a lot of the time. Uh, it's yeah. fine as a burn spell, but I... So the reason I like Equip Strike was, yes, it's 2 less damage, but it has to be answered. Face Aid just doesn't do anything with it. Uh, it's it's hard to block because Quick Draw and Flying, but it mm. also... One thing that came up a fair bit, besides getting to hold up, like, Annihilate, which is really good, is actually good luck playing Howling into it. Um, oh, yeah. Not only does it eat every site in the game, which is relevant because I like, I knew for that first ETS it was going to be a fair bit of Genev and two Genevs I believe made top eight, um, but 
it also just stops Howling Peak from coming down and killing Threat, which is like a huge swing for them. So I typically like it. I, I want more fast spells, obviously. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's that's the weird thing is, I guess, that the plus three power on your opponent's turn is kind of just flavor text or be out, outside of Annihilate and, like, Torch, I guess. Yeah. Um, but but that is that is a really good point. Like, Face Aegis isn't, you know, there's definitely a non-zero amount of Face Aegis in the format. And then being being able to just come down on, you know, on on uh, six or seven or whatever and, and kill that, that opponent's site is, that is really, that is something to consider, and I think that's important. Um, but yeah, so that was a couple weeks ago, and then the week after that, um, our friend and teammate, I Am Monstrum, uh, actually made top four, and this was just this last weekend, right? So this, this yeah. last Saturday, um, friend and teammate, I Am Monstrum, made top four of the ETS, only he was playing a lower-to-the-ground aggressive version. So he was running Oni Ronins, Grenadine Drones, Pyro Knights, um... What uh, what do you think about the shift away from the more mid-range version and into the aggressive version? So the aggressive version gets a lot better in the world where, and I've noticed this recently, is for example, it when even though Huru is pop, some people have been like moving away from snowballs and such, and kind of trying to be more greedy to beat the other Huru decks. And the more you do that, especially where some people are playing no snowballs, no hailstorms, you go. I'm just gonna die if my opponent plays an Oni Ronin. And, like, I know that's something that came up for him. You can play against opponents who have to, their answers are Ice Bolt and Defiance and Harsh Rule, and that's just not gonna cut it against most aggro decks. So, if you lower the curve, uh, you make yourself much, much worse against um, any deck with a ton of removal uh, and snowballs specifically. So, in a world where people are cutting back on stuff like Snowball and Early Removal, the, uh, the more aggressive versions get an opportunity to shine. People basically are disrespecting it. I think it's much easier to adapt to the aggressive versions. So, I think when you time, like when you pick the right spot in the metagame, uh, and I think Monstrum is a very good time to play it, uh, this is probably a better version. But it really depends on what you expect to be playing against, how greedy or uh, how anti-aggro people are going to be actually building their decks. Uh, right. And I think, basically, you lower the curve in the world where everybody is kind of going up on the curve, which right now is what's happening, is people are going, well, I'm putting Huru, I can't beat the mirror unless I'm doing something just as greedy or more greedy. I'm going to cut my insert good card against aggro here because right. i'll have a better chance in the mirror which is very true and when your opponent goes oni rona into archer point instigator you hit the escape button you move your mouse to the middle of the screen you big red button and your portrait blows up <laughs> yeah totally uh yeah and i you know i think i agree with you um i think that it was a really good meta call for the weekend um but yeah if you know, it's it's really hard nowadays for these kind of decks to get popular because I'm looking at the list of units right now, and all but two of them died a hailstorm. So you'll just like you'll get a board built up, and and I don't I don't know that this deck is fast enough to even beat like a turn five harsh rule. You know, the shakedown does help a lot against hailstorms. So you can develop a board early, uh, but it's just the key to this deck. I think is just playing around harsh rule. Um, 
because that's the that's the popular sweeper in the meta right now, and I, I don't think this deck can just swoop under Harsh Rule. You know, like there, if you're playing Praxis Tokens, for example, that deck's really bad against Hailstorm. But like if they don't have a Hailstorm, uh, or you play around it really well, like sometimes you can just land an Obelisk and like get in and kill your opponent, or like a big Rally turn or whatever. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't I don't see it in this one. Um, so it's kind of like it's kind of aggro. It's kind of mid range. It's a little bit weird, but like I, I, you know, I'm I'm uh, talking talking about it as if it were a poor deck, but it's ironic because uh, the following uh, day, uh, the ECL Sunday Challenge, <laughs> uh, you played Stone Scar Midrange yep. again, and I actually played. I took I am Monstrum's list and just ran it back, and we actually both made top four. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for me, I so we had the chance to make it a team rank star mirror match in, in the finals. finals. Yeah, and unfortunately for me, I lost in top four to uh, to an opponent that I had previously beaten in the Swiss. Oh. Um, yeah, and it's it's too bad. I you know I I looked back at the games that I played, and I feel like there were a couple of like small misplays, like where I missequenced like the power that I played or whatever, but I feel like in my top four match, I played pretty reasonably. Um, uh, I went back and looked at the VOD, and they always tuned in right when, like, all hope was lost. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, T-Chamber has, like, a 5% chance here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Flame Blast and, into Flame Blast. Yeah, exactly. Well, and there were, there were oh, man, like, I feel like another another big skill when you're playing this aggro deck is, like, you gotta know what your outs are, and I yeah. feel like I did really well in playing to my outs. Like, um, I mean, there were there were a couple of games in uh, throughout the Swiss where it's like, all right, like my opponent has like it's like up on cards, but I've got a board presence and like they've got a couple of blockers or whatever. So, like you realize like okay, the way that I win is like I a space here, even though I get you know they make some good blocks and clear some of my other board get him down to you know six health or whatever and uh, end of turn torch them and just hope you draw a flame blast or hope you draw another torch or whatever and you know it, it's it's not unreasonable that you uh that you that you do um or uh, yeah. or uh, yeah so it's 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 that uh but it's i don't know it's it's a weird deck and i actually like i didn't really enjoy my run this week uh like I, I did well. I went I went X one in the Swiss, and you know, like I I did make top four, so I'm proud of that. But I also like I would not run this deck back. Like I would want to make some major changes to it. And uh, you can see, like I, I I my I was trying to play a different deck, but like I wasn't really happy with where where it was at at the time. So I took the Stone Scar list and I made a really snarky uh, title for it on Eternal War Cry. So you can see. <laughs> You can see that if you if you look at the tournament standings. Um, but yeah, beyond tournaments this week, I have been playing a ton of ladder. And I've been playing a ton of ladder because I believe that right now, the Eternal metagame is probably the best that it's been in a long, long time. Like, ladder is crazy right now. I've faced so many, like there are definitely some popular decks, right? But yeah. But I have faced so many different decks, so many cool brews, so many like so many like really refined tier decks, 
Um, there's a lot of bad decks too, but um, there's a lot of really good decks and a lot of really cool brews that are almost there. A lot of combo decks. Um, you know, control is control is viable. Aggro is obviously viable. Mid range and Huru and Stone Scar and even Praxis is good. Uh, so, what do you think about the Dark Frontier meta as it is right now? Well, first of all, the wise words of Captain America: language. You make fun of. You get mad at me when I swear on the cast. Oh yeah, I said the f word. I'll bleep it out in a clip. <laughs> I probably won't, but I'll, 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 hold on. Okay, you know what, GHP, just no, for you. No, no. what is We're this? We're leaving okay. that in. This nope. is in. 22 minutes. This is in. Edit so. out. <laughs> okay. How many times? <laughs> I don't know, but it's going to be a loud beep every time. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, so... I have really enjoyed this metagame. It's felt, uh, not only has there been quite a variety of decks, but I felt like a lot of the decks are very intricate to play against. Um, Agreed. I feel like you get a lot of reward for actually understanding the matchup play patterns, which is something I think a lot of players, even when they're like preparing for like major events, really underestimate. They go, uh, for example, um, when everyone was playing FGS versus FTP, everyone was like, FTP is like super good in FGS, and they're like, why do I keep losing to FGS? Yeah, exactly. And the answer to that typically was you don't understand how you the actual like dynamics that are going on when you play this matchup. So yeah, you're just getting rolled by someone who knows what they're doing in the matchup more than you are. Um, and I feel like that's actually just a big thing that's hap happens in a tournament. People rely on, well, I know this matchup is favored, but I just lost to FGS. I guess I got unlucky. And yeah, exactly. I feel like this metagame is super rewarding for people who are like, look, I have like 400 games in on Chalice, uh, and I'm beating people, but even though they're playing Chalice, and it's because they understand the dynamics of every matchup, and yeah, I think that's huge right now, is actually knowing your deck, and that's why you see a ladder, like, I've played a ton of really high quality games, I guess a huge variety of decks. Yeah. And well, and that's that's the thing too that makes a good meta right like so i really actually enjoyed in a weird masochistic way i enjoyed the meta where fjs was just dominating um because like even though like you play against fjs every game or you play the mirror match or whatever like there were only a few good decks but uh i thought that the gameplay was super super interesting and it's it's like you said you gotta know you gotta know the play patterns. Like you, you, it goes beyond just knowing. Like, oh well, what card am I playing around this turn? Like, what could they be holding up? Like, like what is the fast speed spell that they have? Like, it it goes beyond that. It's like okay, like they probably have like torture equivocate. So like they're gonna use the equivocate, but then what does that mean for me? And it's like you have to think three or four turns ahead. It's not just like what do they have in their deck list. It's how are they going to use the cards and resources at their disposal. Um, and so I really enjoyed that, even when there were just, like, three decks. But now there's a lot of, like, I'd say, like, Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 1.5 decks. I don't think there are really any Tier 0 decks right now, and that is awesome. Um, co combo is viable. You can do a turn 3 Sword of the Sky King, like, somewhat reliably. Uh, you can do, uh, man, a Reweave is a really cool card. Um, man, like, there's, there's, so many, there's so many neat new mechanics like shift i think shift is super cool i love the shift mechanic 
Um, there's a lot of a lot of really powerful cards that give a lot of archetypes a boost. Like I am just a huge fan of this new meta. So GHP, do you think that there are like what are your first impressions of Dark Frontier? Like, are there any cards that you've been into that are super sweet right now? Are there any really cool archetypes that you want to talk about? Um, one of my favorite things about this meta, and it's so random, but I kind of get a kick out of it, is you mentioned earlier there's not really a tier zero deck. But if uh -huh. you ask someone to pick one, I think most players would say Huru Control. And it's funny because nobody knows how to build it. I've seen so many random builds it's funny and it's great because i sit there and i play against it and i'm like there's like 300 cards that could be in your deck i'm terrified yeah yeah well and not just huru control but like huru mid-range too like yes. sadidi uh like i've seen so many sadidi decks um just uh so yeah combray combray is a big one uh huru with sadidi huru control I've seen some Rakano Valkyries. I know that I think it was the second place ETS list was a Rakano Valkyries with Talut kind of thing. I believe um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I'm personally not a fan just because I feel like, it, you know, when you're running a five faction requirements uh, deck, uh, like you know, like Sadidi or Zumakana or any of the the Cycle. I don't know where the warp cycles though. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, so uh, when you're running those, like you have to like skew your power base in such a way that I feel like you almost need the insignias, um, just to just to fix your power enough and make it smooth enough that you can cast them and also cast other cards from other factions. Um, Bullet Shaper and Akaria help. Uh, That's true. Yeah, and also is the deck running? Is the deck running Hojan? I didn't. Uh, no. So, because I feel like Hojan is like a really good way to ramp into Sadidi as well. I don't think they have a single way to trigger it except for torching it. Uh, seems good. Ship it. Just kidding. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. Okay. So they're like a little bit. I don't want to say they're more controlling, but they are kind of a little bit more controlling. Yeah. Yeah. They're running like rune hammers and four or two defiance and four torch and like four vanquish and stuff. Okay. But um but yeah so they, they do have ways to like ramp into it without you know missing on their influence which is kind of cool um yeah, yeah. um so, you can so turn for it cool pretty easily in that deck one of the funny Please. things is i don't know if you read my mini set review that got posted a couple days ago uh, I, I, I definitely skimmed it. I wouldn't say that I, I read it. <laughs> uh, Alright, well, I, I made a, a very not bold claim and told everyone that Sadidi was very overrated. Oh. Uh, I, okay. I'm not a fan. I think the You're... card is fine. Yeah, I think... I think that... How do I say it? So Sadidi is very good, especially, like, if you... If you're an aggressive deck, like let's say you're um, your Combray Aggro, uh, which is a has been a another top eight deck uh, this weekend, I believe. From uh, where are we here? Oh, two of them co uh, top eighted. Bike Spokes, uh, I think that's back to back top eights for him. With this, yeah. So Bike Spokes top eighted back to back with uh, a Combray mid range list. Um, yeah. But if you can go like Awakened Student, 
into uh, you know Icaria or Merchant, and then Psychalis, and then Sadidi. Like you're like you're you're winning, right? Um, and Sadidi is kind of the thing that's like, okay, well, fuck me. Like there's no way I'm coming back from this. Um, so it's interesting because Sadidi isn't really that much of an aggressive unit, but he because he has an onslaught trigger for the cursive provocation um it he, he rewards uh he rewards you for putting him into an aggressive deck right um and that's just so weird to me because you want to it, the cursive provocation lets you draw extra cards um and you're probably if you're attacking with all your units and playing sadidi like I feel like your game plan is not to grind down your opponent with, you know, getting card advantage and, like, building up a board, and I feel like you are you should just kill them with Sword of Unity, but I could be wrong. I, I still, th don't get me wrong, I still think Sadidi is very, very good, but it just seems like kind of a weird, it's like a weird balance between being aggro, but also, like, wanting to have your deck big enough that you can actually profit off of Sadidi. So, I think the best way I could phrase Sadidi is if your deck already is built in a way that could support Sadidi, you should play Sadidi. I do not think Sadidi is anywhere near good enough for me to build my deck around playing Sadidi. Yeah, I, I think I can agree with that statement. Um, it's I think the funny thing about the Rakano Vox deck that we were talking about is, like, <laughs> you have this bullet shaper in here. Um, <laughs> Doesn't cast Sadidi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you play bullet shaper on two, and let's say you go justice, justice... Uh, or, or like, uh, you know, Rakano banner, Rakano, whatever, City. like two, yeah, yeah. So you play, you play a couple of dual, dual powers, and then on turn three, you play Justice Sigil, uh, and but if, if you have Bullet Shaper, that's four Justice that's four. Effects, right? Yeah. So y even if you on turn three discard a spell and ramp into five <laughs> you can't cast Sadidi. and there are no other five drops too like you that's play, it there's no yeah. there's no amelies there's oh, no yeah there's nothing it's just your just five drop Sadidi. is play Akaria. oh play yeah five drop <laughs> play, play Akaria and ramp activate one. turn four cast Sadidi. oh that's so good right I mean, it's it's not like so. When I started getting back into Eternal, like I had played in set one or two or whatever, and then I I came back around the fall of Argent Port, and uh, yeah, Rakano Valkyries were everywhere, and it's there would be times where like you had to have if you were running Shadow, you had to have four Annihilate in your deck or four Vanquish or like whatever. You had to have an answer to a turn three Amelie. Because yeah. that's what Bullet Shaper was doing. It's like turn turn two Bullet Shaper, turn three Amelie, and then so and or or you could go turn five Icario when she still costs uh, seven mana. I'm talking about big Icario, of course. Right. Um. So yeah, that that was ins that was really busted. And so here, like Bullet Shaper is still a very good card. I'm like, shouldn't this just be something else though? Like, I don't know. I don't. So okay. If you could turn three Sadidi, and I know there was a meme video by Pojo where you play Huru's Traver, but that's just trolling. Um, to cast. Oh. Huh. Like, oh, jeez, that's so just, bad. Just, you know, Traver Shaper, do it. But um, honestly, when if, if you're going to play a card like Bullet Shaper, you have to give me... You, you have to be able to sit there and tell me what is the most busted thing you can do. And if the 
most busted thing that deck can do right now is play like Arcaria plus activate or like on three, sorry. Or like Enforcer plus two drop or like none of this stuff is worth me playing Bullet Shaper, which is like it's a two three okay, but it doesn't like do a ton for me uh in this case. Burn a full card. I know sometimes you discard privilege, but you're still discarding a card. Uh right. to get this extra power. I'm not sold. And I think if the best thing you can do isn't good. Like, I don't, like, if you go, okay, if you and I are playing a game and you play a turn, two, you're playing some bullet shaper deck. You're playing this for Connor Valk's deck, right? And I know that deck, like, doesn't play uh, Amiel. So I know, like, what your best options are. And I'm playing, um, let's say, Stone Sky Mid. So I have a hand that's like, um, I, on turn two, I played a two drop, and you on your turn two, you played a bullet shit. On turn three, I could play like a champion or another two drop plus torch. In the past, that would be the easiest decision of my life: play two drop plus torch, hit you for whatever. Right. Right now, and I this might sound really disrespectful. I think the play is to cast your champion and kill and kill the bullet shaper next turn when you're already ahead, because you get, yeah. What are you doing? Like, I don't have to be scared of what you're doing. Even if I didn't have, like, a desecrated in hand, until people start playing, no offense, a real 5-drop on that deck. You know, a real mm -hmm. payoff to the bullet right. shape run, too. Uh, because I'm not scared when someone plays turn to bullet shape run, I don't have an answer in. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, and I think... And, like, this deck is obviously very good. It made it made top two, so that that's great. And Sadidi is very good, but yeah, like, I just think... I feel like there's something... There's some way, like, maybe... Or, like, the so this this deck is running for Joe of the Endless Horde, and he's actually, like, they're not running any to loot either. So yeah. that... I don't... I don't understand some of the decisions in this deck. Like, I think that they should probably be running to loot instead of Joe... And then, uh, like, maybe two Tulut, two Joe, um, and then maybe shave a Minotaur Plate Maker and, like, put in three Amelie Cloud Marshal, right? Um, they do have an Amelie in the market, which, is, again, another very weird decision, but I don't know. I, I don't love this deck. Um, I like the idea. Um, and Solvent Soup is also, like, a really good player. Really I, I, good player. Yeah, exactly. So I'd be curious to reach out to them and be like, hey, like, what's the deal with this uncastable Sadidi on turn three? Because um, uh, I, I am positive that, that Solvent Soup, it, like, thought about putting Sadidi into the main deck. And I'd be curious uh, to hear why they didn't. I think this deck is good. I think it needs a little work. Um, and... There's a lot of different ways to approach it, so like I don't expect this type of deck to be perfect right now. But the deck is just playing a pile of good cards. That happen to all like win the game. Like yeah, Sadidi is very good at winning. I was going to say Amelia, that isn't an option. Joe is very good at winning the game. Razan is very good at winning the game. And besides that, it's just like good cards surrounded by it. Like it's a fine deck. I just think it needs a little work. Um, yeah. But this yeah, feels I, like the uh, what I mentioned earlier of I don't want to build a deck on Sadidi. I feel like right. this deck built around Sadidi that 
can't play Cedidia when it wants to play. That's All right. Well, and that's I like mean, so but, funny. You know, I I slightly disagree with you in the sense that you, you're running four privilege and four bullet shapers, so you're gonna have justice sigils like just coming out your ears, yes. right? So it's easy will, to cast influence. Yeah, it's easy to cast. Like you'll definitely be able to cast CDD. Like you're never gonna be like, oh, stuck on four justice. Better pack <laughs> pack up my cards. Like, no, it's like it's you're definitely able to cast CDD, but. Uh, I just th- I just think that the curve is a little awkward, and I think that there's some like I think that like instead of Talut or instead of Joe, it should be like Talut or some Amelies or something. But um, but still, congratulations to Solvent Soup. Uh, if you're listening, please reach out to us and like let us know because I'm I'm curious honestly, and like I'm I want to learn because uh, I respect you as a player. Anyway, uh, first place deck list. I won't go over this too much. Um, it's it's just Huru Flyers. Uh, uh, this is what Solvent Soup lost to. Um, this is a Man US deck piloted by Tabu. Um, he, he made a deck tech video about it. Go watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man US made a deck tech video. The big, the big innovation is that they took out Shelter Wing Rider and put in four Poaching Drakes, which I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's neat, but um, I guess it's cool because you can turn Champion of Cunning into a goat. <laughs> I think that's actually like. Probably, or you mean chaos? But I think that's oh, champion really of chaos. Yeah, exactly. The weirdest thing is there's only one deck in the whole meta game right now that plays Farah, just uh, Stone Scar, and yeah. I don't think this fixes your Stone Scar matchup. Like that matchup is bad. Um, right, right. Uh, it does. It does. I think it does make the matchup better, and it sometimes definitely. sometimes you just gotta. Sometimes you just gotta like take some percentage points like and you're not going to be able to win every matchup and i think that's what's going on here and i like it's cool yeah I, like, I i always thought poaching drake was a really neat card but i never was really happy with any deck i put it in so i'm i'm glad to see it uh glad to see it in there here's one for you so that deck we agree poaching drake is like a fine card like, i'm i'm not making yeah. fun of the decision i get it it's like yeah i definitely get it i'm not sure if it's right yet but i get the reason um but Imagine if that card hit four more or four away. That like that card would be so good if it because and when, I, when I read it too, play. yeah. When I read this card, I read it as oh, this card will, uh, like will just like stomp on like so many four cost units, and then I read it again, <laughs> and I was like oh. Okay. Um. <laughs> so funny thing, and I I I think I should I think I'm okay to say this. Um. So and I say this because you I'm gonna talk about someone who used to be on Team Star. Uh. Before a bunch of drama that happened that we don't want to talk about, uh, we had a guy named Ingenuity, uh, also known as Brandon Nelson from Magic, yeah. and he used to work for uh, Direwolf Digital on Eternal. Uh, and so we, like, I heard some things like, what's your favorite card? Was Crunch because, and it was because he designed it. Um, but one thing that happened was we were talking to him, but Pochi Drake got spoiled. And he thought it, cut, it was four or less. And I don't know if because it used to be four or less, like when he w- was working on that set, or yeah. he just read it wrong too. But he really got my hopes up in that moment. And ever since, when I see that card, I'm like, well, you know what? For about 30 seconds, you used to hit Sandstorm tight. You know, until yeah. we <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's like, that was the big thing too, is like, oh, 
shit, a, like a four power flyer that hits Sandstorm Titan? Like, yes. But no, it's that's not it. And there, like, that would be really good. It still yeah. died of torch and such, but that would, you know, push it a lot more in the right direction. <laughs> it's okay. We'll take it back. Come no, no, no. She's, she's making happy noises. I'm not, I'm just, I'm like, girl, like, chill, like, keep it on the DL. But she's like, she's like playing with this little toy and she's just laughing at herself. It's really <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, it's ironic that you bring that up because I think, uh, I think Ingenuity is now on Eternal Titans. So. He is. He, uh, yeah. he joined a couple months ago. So we've had four people come to mind, people who like used to be part of Rainstar, and that's Ingenuity, Overmaster, Sifu Danny, and Yadaba. I have a ton of respect, and like, I really like all these people, and I can, I can't imagine people who are like, well, they used to be on my team, but they're not anymore, so I don't want them to have success. Like, I'm happy all four of those people have went on, like, since they've been, like, super successful. Uh, so, like, I love, I was very happy when Ingenuity got picked up, because the rest of them were like, I know Yana didn't want to be a part of the team, but the other two, you know, they were on SPG and such, and he, like, hadn't really gotten to be a part of one, so it was great to hear. Like, I'm, I'm happy he made that decision. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so, uh, moving on a little bit, um, just a couple other cards that I wanted to touch on, uh, so my, like, I've been messing around with a lot of stuff, um, but a couple of things just sprang to mind while I was doing these show notes, uh, Reweave is really, really good, uh, I don't think anybody has found the quote-unquote best, uh, deck for it yet, but... There's so many things you can do with Reweave. It reminds me of Birthing Pod and Magic, for those of you who know about that. A card that got banned from, from competitive play. Um, so yeah, Re- Reweave is very good, especially like going like turn two, something I've discovered recently is turn two, Hojon, like turn three, play a power, attack for four, and then uh, you can Reweave your Hojon, which triggers his Renown trigger, ramps you for one, and then uh, you can get something like, you can get a Gar, uh, which is a one drop that says uh, shift uh, five, when Gar is shifted, silence the, all the units in your enemy's hand. So uh, that's a pretty busted thing to do on turn three. Cause then as, like, if you're, if you're in the right colors, uh, you can ramp yourself, you can go turn two Hojon and then ramp yourself into Sadidi after uh silencing everything in your enemy's hand like that obviously that's kind of kind of the nuts but it's i mean it's not it's not that hard to pull off uh so that's it's a three card combo yeah that's and it's not like a necessarily a game ending combo but i've had a lot of people scoop to me when i do that (laughs) Uh, well no because you don't the problem with that whole sequence is you don't trigger onslaught oh you uh oh yeah i guess you're right so I guess you'd have to have like a one drop and then a two drop, but like, again, it's 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 not that hard uh, to to trigger onslaught for Sididi, but um, it's yes. it's a powerful it's a powerful sequence, and you know worst case scenario on turn five you're playing like a, a couple of you're so it's okay. Fussy. It's okay. Uh, but on on turn five, uh, you know you're playing a couple of units and then attacking the next turn and then playing Sadidi, or you're just slamming a sword of unity. So yes, you do have to trigger onslaught, but uh, you know it's it's not uncommon that you'll 
uh, you'll be attacking with another unit as well. So I think that that's a really, I think that's a really neat interaction with Reweave. It's not even the most powerful thing you can be doing too. Like you can, uh, there's a there's a combo deck right now where you can get a turn three or four sort of the Sky King, and that involves Reweave, um, and also Remembrance, which is another uh, very powerful uh, shift card. Um, and then the last thing that I, I think is the most bonkers part of this whole set is the insignias which um for those of you who aren't familiar i'm sure all of you are uh it's a dual faction uh powers and it says if you uh gain gain you know xx influence uh if you don't have any other type of influence so uh cambre huru stone scar felm and um uh what was the other one cambre huru stone scar felm Oh, and Praxis, Praxis, of course. Um, you also, uh, you didn't tell them what the card does correctly. What? Sure I did. Yeah, yeah, you gain, you gain, you wow. gain, uh, like, so, okay, so for the Praxis one, you gain uh, fire, time, influence, um, and and it comes in depleted if, uh, if you have a card of any other type in your deck. Yeah, that's, I just wanted to point to that, because, like, that's why they're yeah, so busted. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, um... Yeah, it's it's just it's a very powerful, very easy to you know. You ha obviously you have to have just a two faction deck, but it has given two faction decks such a boost in consistency, and that's one of the reasons Stone Scar is so yeah. good right now. Like it, yeah, Stone Scar got unnerfed, Flame Blast came back, Argent Port Instigator is easier to cast, but like being able to turn three your champion in eighty percent of your games and have them be a five five is pretty insane. Um, and I know that we were talking on previous podcasts about how, like, oh, 5-5 five, five on turn 3 isn't even that powerful. And it's still, it's not, like, a game-breaking, like, oh, better scoop it up kind of thing. But it's, like, being able to consistently do it on turn 3 is is very good. And it's just, you know, Stone Scar just has so many good cards in it right now that um, I think I think it's worth worth mentioning. One thing to note, though, is not just champion. It's I have really good things to do on turn two, and I have really good things to do on turn four. So it's not just I'm relying on my busted three drop because I have busted two drops and four drops. It's but the the thing that pushes these two faction decks is the insignias because having um multi, like the dual influence power that doesn't like I know there's the requirement of you actually you know you have to play two colors, but what's your two colors? Turns out they don't, you know, you don't have to do any work for it. You don't need a unit in play. They don't enter depleted. You don't need, like, a sigil in your hand. Like, they just are always perfect. And they they just allow these decks to have so much more uh, consistency with how they play. Like, imagine a hand, you're playing just, say, Stone Scar Midrange, and your, your power base is, like, you're on the play, and your hand is Crest, Seat, Seat, 2-drop, 3-drop, 4-drop, and some other three drops, say. Well, your hand kind of sucks just because of your power. But imagine in a world where those seats were insignias. You go cross dot one, turn two, you play your two drop, turn three, you play your three drop, and if it's a champion, you have a five five. Right. It's, okay. it's honestly trivial to play a turn three champion and it be at least a four five. Yeah, it, exactly. I've, like, so before this, like when people would occasionally play uh, this uh, Champion of Chaos, like I I would see it come in 
I'd say probably like 60% of the time, I'd see it come in as a 3 3 for 3, which is pretty laughable. And it's like, huh, here, eat a torch. Yeah. Nice, you know, good game. Uh, but this, and, you know, yes, it dies to Vanquish now, but like, it's still like, it's a, it's a, it's a big boost. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that don't, you know, and I don't think it's a coincidence that, uh, this last ETS, like, let, like, let's look, it's, um, so in the top eight, there was Huru, Combre, Stonescar, um, and then, you know, there were a couple, oh, there was Praxis too. So there were four of the five insignias, um, that's, you know, uh, that, that got printed or that got released. Um, and they're all like all of those faction combinations are in the top eight and i don't think it's a coincidence that it's because like i it's because of the insignias um it just adds so much yeah. consistency to that archetype and obviously some other powerful cards got printed but like that's a huge reason um something i i, I tried to say last week in our episode uh that you know got scrapped because of audio issues um, is, you know, one of, one of the first things I do when I'm building deck is, like, if you, like, when you're building a deck, look and see what you can do with your power base first. Like, if you could just run a, a rainbow deck of five factions and put whatever good cards you wanted into it, then it wouldn't be very hard to build decks. Uh, but look at your power situation, look at what you can do, and then look for consistency, right? And that's that's what these insignias are giving people. So I I'm I'm a big fan of the insignias. I think it's it hasn't invalidated three faction decks, but it's given two faction decks a huge push. Agreed entirely. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about in Dark Frontier specifically before we move on to uh, the last couple of uh, topics here? Yeah. Even handed oh, yeah. oh, that's a. Ooh, this I am so on the fence about this card, but uh, you go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a sentence. This is one of my so I want players who you know played both Eternal and Hearthstone for a second to forget the the very bad times of even in our cards in Hearthstone. Just look at this this card in the Eternal. Even-handed Golem is one of my favorite cards in the game, um, because it doesn't feel obnoxious. Um, it obviously like the card is extremely powerful. The card's busted, but it's about you know what you have to sacrifice, um, which is like that's fine. But what it does is because it's for example, um, it has no color. It uh it means you could build you know you could play it in model faction decks. You could put it in every two color deck, three color deck, etc. Um, and it be castable. It's uh, it's really just rewarding to play it on at any point in the game. You can do powerful things like Haunted Scream It uh, or Last Chance at Bat, things like that. But even had to go and promote uh, a deck building uh, criteria that, truthfully, for my space, hasn't felt that bad because we have so many good cards at Eternal that some are like, this card's really good, but there's so many other good cards that like in this uh, color combination or whatever, this card just kind of doesn't make the cut. And even had to go on, like, for example, Memory Dredger. That card hasn't really seen play. Have you ever hit so with Memory Dredger and gotten back an even-handed golem? Here's a, here's a spicy idea it's for disgusting. you. Play even-handed golem, Memory Dredger, and... Do you know what I'm going to say here? 
Iceberg Scattershot uh, in the same deck. Boom, got him. It's only a two-card yeah, exactly. deck. That's actually not like that's Zero not fast actually. Um, actually, one I did recently is I played the the catcher combo deck. That deck the, is all which, even. Which, oh, the catcher. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, the the, the it's a two drop or two four even, drops. You could even play reweave in that deck, honestly. So you could. Yeah, you could play Reweave, you could play uh, Haunting Scream, like there's a oh, bunch of cheap ways to make DHP, it more than 10 you, mana. Why did you do this um, to me? Now I'm, like, in the, in the time that I should spend tuning an actually good deck before the Master's Challenge, you put this idea in front of me, and now, yeah, I'm just, I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, even had a Golem has, I've had a lot of fun games. Of course, when your opponent, like, I played a game yesterday against someone who went, Turn two, even-handed golem. Turn three, even-handed golem. Turn four, even-handed golem, even-handed golem. Turn five, catcher plus amber oh, waystone. <laughs> my opponent had drawn eight yeah. extra cards, and I didn't have a single removal yeah, spell in my hand. And I was like, "Well, this was this was great," but uh, like that's of course that was an insane draw. It doesn't feel that bad, like. I know some people go because even handed golem, if that card didn't have a condition, be yeah, utterly insane. Of course, but it would literally be played probably at every day. Um, but the thing about it is, if you you and I are playing a game and you play a, a turn two or a turn eight or whatever, even handed golem, I don't go. Wow, that feels terrible. Yeah. It, you you drew two because cards. Yeah. You, you you have to jump exactly. through some hoops. Yeah. But, you know, you're not playing a merchant or anything like that, so you have to make sacrifices. I think that's what yeah. makes the card so interesting, is the card makes you, you know, figure out what's worth the what, but there's so many interesting decks you can play with this yeah. card. Like, okay, there's five mono faction pairs, there's ten dual faction pairs, and there's ten tri-faction pairs. In theory, you could... Or I guess you could, you could argue twenty six for no color, but oh, I'm not yeah. going to. There's twenty five even handed golem color combination decks. So let alone how many like maybe there's a a found aggro and a found control version. Who knows? But I don't know if this card is gonna you know break open the meta one day because you know giving up merchants is stuff huge task. Yeah. But even handed golem is like you play that deck or the decks with it i don't think you're trolling anybody and i think um we could at some point in the future see like i'm gonna say i could see a tier one even-handed golem metagame at you know in the perfect scenario just because the card is so busted um so yeah i think um this has been one of my favorite cards and i'm literally planning once we have you know the ec uh, the Master's Challenge and the ECQ points event, when they end, I'm intending to build 25 even. I think, that, I think you should write an Just article about that. That'd be, that'd be a lot challenge. of fun. Uh, the question is, do I write one article? <laughs> or, like... 25, yeah. like, once a week. But Who knows? I think that'd be a fun um, series. Uh, not, you know, nevertheless. Two, like, two things to add on to that. So last, or well, a couple weeks ago, uh, or more than that, maybe? I don't know, but before Dark Frontier released, when we saw this card, we basically laughed it off the podcast. Like, we definitely underestimated this card a little bit. And it's like you said, like, like you know, not metagame-breaking, 
but it's like we didn't i guess we didn't quite think through like we just thought oh like no dark return no merchant no whatever we suck at this let's be yeah well but like i i'm just i'm surprised like we wrote that card off and it's it's surprised me like and again like there have been times where it's like nice even-handed golem like you drew two cards and then i did something much more powerful and won the game and then there have been times where it's like oh shoot like you just you just like uh even-handed golem uh memory dredgered me and got it again and you drew four cards for you know the price of of two uh and you got a couple of bodies on the board so that's really good um so yeah i'm i'm also impressed with that card quite a bit um i think that card is gonna give like people are just gonna have fun playing it um you and i were really skeptical like before we learned the information about this was not going to be a set mechanic because i don't want a set mechanic. Yeah, yeah yeah as a build around excellent um i'm really happy with this card i the one thing i didn't consider and like i know i mentioned it on the cast where we like what do you do on the like the three power turns um and those turns are still a little sketchy um, and we made sure like, a lot of people are hoping to go, you know, on turn three, you play a two-drop plus the crest. Right, right, right. You could... Two cards have really... or There's three... Two cards are like a style of card that have really impressed me with this. So the style one is ramp, because Power Stone, Trailmaker, Devotee. Like, there's a ton of, like, time ramp yeah. units. Well, that's... A, two. a lot and of people have been playing Even-Handed Golem in... Um... Well, in Xenon, uh, I've seen a lot of, and then, but a lot of, um, uh, a lot of time, so yeah, time, time, mid-rangey kind of, uh, uh, even handle yeah. on decks. But we also have cards like Lost Scroll, a Lost Scroll, Akaria, and Fenris that just go, I either skip turn or I do something really good. Um, like, I don't, when you play a Akari on turn two, it turns out on turn three you want to activate yeah, most of the exactly. time. And when you play Fenris, you don't normally feel that bad about turn three activating. Um, so it's it's kind of just like there's a lot of cards that just make this card good, and I'm really excited to play with it more. I haven't put I've only played probably three or four decks yeah. with it, um, but I've had a lot of fun every time. And the truth is, I've like. I've had like 60-70% win rates with all of the even-handed Golem decks I've played. Yeah. So it is it is definitely a super solid card, and I'm also excited to brew I'm mostly, like, honestly, I already talked about Reweave and Combray. Like, I want to put this in Combray and see what happens. Um, I've played against yeah. that deck. It beat me oh, really yeah. badly because you get... So instead of playing, like, Iron Thorns and Tolu, you go back to, like, Mystic Ascendant, and sword of unity but you have uh-huh. a ton of ramp you have desert marshals you have vanquishes you have vanquishes so you, what you're saying is you have all the yeah. best cards in combray yeah you have a lot of them you you of course you give up stuff that's you know yeah. kind of how this works but you like your two drop slot for example and i'm sure you cut some of these and i'm gonna name four and say cards you have even-handed golem akaria hojin and awakened student are all just dumb yeah. and teacher like you have to cut some number of two drops but it's not like you struggle struggle there. You have a ton of good fours, Titans, Psychalis, the name, the two that come to my mind. Um, now you can actually play. Uh, it might not be doable in Combray, but in some combinations you can play Pledge and just play like sure. Grasshoppers. I get. Like, I was thinking about that the other day, like uh, Praxis, even-handed, because uh, a lot of like think if you think about it, like 
Although I'm so here's what I'm curious about. So a lot of the cards are like there's so Sakalis, uh, you know, Heart of the Vaults, uh, Daria. But what what happens Daria. when you have a Glasshopper on the battlefield and then you play an even-handed Golem? Because then all your all I don't think I don't know what Glasshopper says, but I know if you play Praxis Arcanum and then play an even-handed Golem. You don't draw any cards. So I'm oh. guessing Glasshopper also Interesting. Yeah, because that's... Because, like, if you had a, a pledge card with warp, I think, it, you know, it would get discounted. So I assume it checks the right, deck. It right, right. It. So that just turns off even handed all. That's too bad. Well... Uh, anyway, we're starting to run a little long, so let's let's move on. Even handed golem is good, and we're bad at evaluating cards. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just wanted to touch really quickly on the Masters Draft Challenge. So you participated in this. Uh, it was for everybody who, um, so everybody who made top one hundred in draft in the months of October through April. Um, and yep. the format was uh, sealed deck uh, for the Swiss rounds. And it, it was 12 rounds of sealed deck. And uh, you could play up to eight tiebreakers. Uh, and then it would switch into the top 64, in which case you would do uh, one or two asynchronous drafts, or sorry, synchronous drafts, meaning uh, that you would actually draft with other people. So uh, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, JHP, but you did not. Um, you did not uh, make the top 64, uh, and you did not get to experience the goodness that is a synchronous draft? Nope, I um, I did bad. I pulled, was ass, and I also don't think I played very oh, well yeah. that day. Well, you, we, we won't might, go into no. it too much, but you had some rough things happening, so it's, you know, it's Yeah, it was a bad 24 hours to play a but, but, um, yeah, I... I didn't play great. Um, I, I do want to touch on the format. Um, yeah, well, and that's that's mostly that's mostly what I wanted to ask you about is like, what do you think of sealed deck as a competitive format? Um, I think eight pack sealed is garbage. Um, for a competitive event because the you get too many like big gaps in pools like. My pool had zero fixing um, at all. And then there's like some people, you know, they open like a couple of strangers and a few banners and they go like four faction good stuff. And I'm like, I can't even hit my influence uh -huh. in my two color deck. Like, uh -huh. that gets mitigated with less. Uh, the more packs there are in, the less variance there is, uh, which is good. So I would have liked this to be like 12 pack probably. Um, yeah. Which I know that's I, a lot, I... but. Well, it's not, it's not that much, though, right? Like, how much... So, what do we end... Like, when you go into a sealed league, what do you end with? Do you end with 16? Is that right? Uh, 14. Yeah, so I don't think 12 is actually that unreasonable. And, I mean, I agree with you, especially when... Because, what was it? It was... Uh, so, it was four packs of, um, of Dark Frontier, and then it was two packs of Defiance and two packs of something else. I don't... I think it was set two, four, and six, so it wasn't. Oh yeah, I think I think you're right. So that's like. It wasn't sets good. two and, yeah, sets two and four are were not the best sets. Like, 
I, I don't think that, um, you know, Fall of Origin Port wasn't a great draft format, in my opinion. Agreed. And set two is, like, notoriously bad for being a bad draft format. <laughs> yeah, it was designed and some to people, support. Yeah, so some some people liked it, but I, I thought, you know, I thought... All, all I've heard about it is that it's bad. I never played draft in that, that era, but um, I think that it's a really weird move, because you have three sets, like, Dark Frontier, the jury's still out on that, but sets two and four notoriously bad for draft i i don't think that they did a lot of testing for this or did a lot of like surveys no. or anything like i i i'm guessing that they're just like oh sealed this should be fine um i like i want to know what kind of you know research they did to to make this decision i'm sure they weren't doing it blindly but i thought that it was really weird um i do like though that they had the tiebreakers available just to take some of the variants out um because I, I feel like unless you opened a busted pool, which I'm assuming a lot of people did not, um, but unless you opened a busted pool, uh, you're you're not gonna go more than like, you know, eight, eight and <laughs> eight and four. Because um, I think a lot of seven and fives were making the top sixty-four. I, I so don't know I'm glad that they about that. Like, I, I I'm glad that. Yeah, I well I, I think I think at least a couple did. Um, okay. But I'm I'm glad that they did the tiebreakers. Um. But yeah, I think I've never really liked sealed uh, as much as I like draft. Uh, so I think that the format seems like ass to me. But you know, it is what it is. I didn't have to compete in it, and I'm kind of glad. So I will admit I didn't have very much fun. Um, and the people on our team who competed, which was me, Magikarp, Captain Team Bro, and Caleb, I don't think any of us really had a lot of. Fun. Um, uh, Team Bro made six, top 64, but he he didn't have fun during top 64 either. But uh, but he he like he even said to us like he really didn't enjoy his you know his uh, his sealed portion. Um, but I even from us that didn't hear a lot. Here's what I think: we have um, these sets are designed to be drafted specifically, and with that in mind. What makes a good draft deck and what makes a good sealed deck is very different. And set six, realistically, like there's a how it works in draft is you your first pack you get some synergy cards, maybe some payoffs towards certain things, and then the curated packs are meant to be a lot of like, let me help you with your synergy. Uh, it's not meant to be as bomby. It's you know if you're in the scout deck, there's a lot of scout in you can get in packs two and three. So I think. What they should have done is if you were going to make a space sealed with a smaller amount of uh, packs, like eight, I think the format should have been eight packs of one set. So the newest set, eight packs, let's go. Because then you'd actually Which get I some payout. I don't hate that idea. Like, I think that I think that what Direwolf should have done... So there was also uh, another kind of hot-button issue. Uh, there was no coverage of the event. Um, now, I personally uh, think... I, no, I personally think that, like... That watching somebody open eight packs and then play a bunch of games with them sounds like a miserable viewership experience. I wouldn't watch, but... Uh, I mean, I, w I would have watched just to support my friends that were in the events, but um, I think what Direwolf should have done is done eight packs of, of uh, Dark Frontier, and I, I think that they should have said, okay, like, the, you know, the... In their their pre their their pre game show or whatever, 
Uh, they're like, here's all the like cool synergies that you have available in in Dark Frontier with eight packs. Like here are the possibilities. Like here are some things you can go for. Blah 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 blah. And then after the forty five minute build time uh, that people had, uh, you know the 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 round start, and uh, they 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 watch people go through the Swiss or maybe they spectate one person. I don't know. I don't know if that's even a possibility. It sounds kind of like a logistical nightmare. But even for the top 64, like, why don't they just, you know, find a way to spectate somebody while while they're drafting and see, oh, they, they could do this pick or they could do that or whatever. And it's like async or sorry, I keep messing that up. Synchronous draft is like, to me, synchronous draft is like one of the most interesting formats to watch. Yes. The games, the games can be a little bit of a slog. And so, again, coverage could be very, very hard. But uh, I would have been interested in watching, and I'm kind of bummed that they didn't do coverage. So, but yeah, I think I think they should have just done eight packs of Dark Frontier. At the at Magic's Pro Tour Scotch Mystic Championships, they do the coverage of the draft, and what they typically do uh, is they watch one person play through the uh, like their pod of eight. Uh huh. And of course, they feature some other players, but they have this one person they focus on, and I will fully admit. When I I always try and watch a lot of the Mythic Championship. I especially when it's early in the morning, I wake up, I watch whoever draft, I go back to sleep for a few hours and wake up for constructed. I don't, uh-huh. but I would have. I love watching people. I love trying to figure out yeah. why you're doing this. What maybe what maybe I would have done something different. Figure out why it would have been a great learning experience, especially if they had spectated someone. No offense, who was actually good at drafts. I'm not me. Like someone, someone <laughs> yeah. who you know, an, an expert, so to say. Get get one of the TDC guys. Get Caleb. Get um, mom. Just get yeah. someone who we know is like one of the best. Yeah. Well, it's so we know that Dire Wolf is also like that. We know that they're in touch with the community in some way, shape, or form. Yes. So they could be like, oh well, like these people made the top sixty-four. Like this person has a really popular YouTube channel. This person is on this team. Like. They could have picked and been like, hey, look, like we're going to spectate you while you're drafting. Uh, like, I I can't imagine that it's like that hard for them to set up. And I, I know nothing about programming or like the spectator client that they have or whatever. So take that with a grain of salt. But like, I think I wish that they had done the coverage because I think that would have been fun. But, you know, that's that is neither here nor there. But speaking of wonky coverage decisions, <laughs> we also have this coming weekend, and this is what we, we talked about this in the beginning of the show, the Constructed Masters Challenge as well. So you and I are both qualified for this. You're qualified for like every tournament yeah. under the sun. Uh, yeah. But I'm qualified for this, and so I'm very excited. I am preparing very, very hard for this tournament. Um, so the, the format's a little bit different, and it's kind of kind of interesting so it's 12 games 12 games and uh as far as i can tell there are no tiebreakers not um, a thing for what we did which is yeah exactly i think we both tweeted <laughs> at direwolf digital and they haven't responded nope. um but uh yeah so 12 12 games probably no tiebreakers uh and then same thing as like an ecq the top 64 will um will face off in a single elimination best of three yeah um, winner takes all and there probably yeah, winner winner takes all. There's only one person that's getting qualified, so pretty intense stuff. Um, but uh, they also did a weird thing where they put a time constraint on it, which is, um, you know, which makes sense because it's a much smaller field than like say an ECQ where it's just open invite. 
you know why people being like, hey, I've been in queue for four minutes. Weird that they did the like such a short time because there are decks that want to go late. Well, and that's I mean they said they broke it down in their article where they said that uh, they allowed they they mapped out uh, fifteen minutes per game, which they suspect is a lot. And I I actually a lot of people have said stuff about this to me, and I think that it's fine. Like I was timing myself playing some really slow decks earlier. And uh, I have I I think I clocked in at like average of eight minutes per game. Yeah. Um, and that's that's including queue times and also like stopping once to like change my daughter's diaper. So it's like like it's 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 not an unreasonable fifteen minutes per game. And I'm actually glad that it's fifteen minutes because like that makes me think that I can take my time, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know. Um. Um, I the one thing that I don't want is for people to salt rope me That's because why I'm that will scared. just yeah that is the only thing I'm scared of. Um, that being said, I, I think I'll still have enough time, but we'll see. Uh, it just you know it just either either way I think it just encourages people to play fast. Uh, so like you we'll, and we'll I see. play and I don't like you and you're playing some deck that's gonna take like a really long time to win. I think you'll understand me when I say, like, you've already won this game, but you can't kill me yet. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. we're playing. What? There's nothing stopping me from being like, you know what? I'm like two and nine, and I don't, I don't like you. I'm gonna yeah. like. You need another like ten turns to kill me. Eh, I'm gonna watch some YouTube. Oh, the rope yeah, is coming. Yeah, exactly. Oh, look at that! I just wasted twelve minutes of your time. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I'd like to believe in the eternal community and that that won't happen, but I wouldn't be shocked if I got salt roped at least once. I uh, get as... salt roped for like one to two times per ECQ. Oh, wow. That's too bad. But I don't really play decks I that mean, make people really salt, like, cheap. But what I, like, my theory is that all of these players are clearly very good. Like, it takes a massive amount of, of time and work to I mean for most people I know some people just stroll into the top 100 and camp there all month but I I don't know if the when I qualified like the month that I made it um I it took it took a lot of time and it took a lot of work and a lot of like okay like you know the meta's changing like you're gonna look at this deck and do this and like took a lot of great deck selection it took a lot of knowing my deck and it took a lot of games of eternal uh and so what I'd like to think is that the people that are the best at the game aren't like the salty dogs of of Eternal, <laughs> and like you know because you'll you'll have people like like Tony G and and Paradox and like Aether Llama and Magikarp and you and me and like I don't think like like those people that I just listed all stand up members of the community except for myself maybe I'm kind of a sad. I'm just kid, gonna but... say it as the tournament <laughs> captain of Team Rexos, a Turner team. If one of someone on our team salt ropes me, I'm gonna kick you off the team. Because <laughs> like, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna salt rope you for one turn and then do the ha 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 emote and then like, I'll concede. But, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like if someone does that, like I I don't mind saying this on podcast. If someone does that, I've had people like I had a guy in the last one. He it looked like he salt roped at me, and it turns out I didn't know at the time about the disconnect issues that were happening in the last ECQ. Oh uh, yeah. And he messaged, he added me after and was like, I, I disconnected, sorry about that. You know, good luck in the rest of your games. Like he he lost that game, but 
he wasted a few of my minutes. But so if that happened and like you're not salt roping me, like okay, I get it. I know it appears to the person who's getting roped in a negative light, because you don't have any way to like know better. Just so yeah. I'm gonna say this, I can't. If you want to sit and salt rope people and actually be salt roping because you're losing and you want to deny someone an opportunity, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> like, just, just, no, I don't like you anymore. I'm not Uh, yeah. No, that's, that's, I kind of agree. Um, I think it's funny because, like, I mean, so, on, you did mention something that, that has happened to me a couple of times where, like, I play on mobile a lot just because of yeah. where my life is at. And so, like, there are times where I'll be, like, taking a walk or something, and I'll walk through an area with spotty reception, and it will, like, my I will start roping, and sometimes it's when, like, I'll, I'm, I'm probably at a disadvantage, and people are thinking, oh, pe people are probably thinking, oh, this guy's just salt roping me. I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I play on mobile. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I will take everything with a grain of salt, uh, pun intended. Yeah, I, uh... I'm never gonna call you out, type of thing, uh, for you know salt roping because there's a lot of you know external factors. I'm just saying, in case someone does it on purpose, you know how I. Feel. Yeah, well, and it's yeah, it's you know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird gray area subject where I don't know, but uh, you know, to sum up what I'm saying, I think that uh, I think that they gave us plenty of time. I know some people have expressed concern about the amount of time. I think it's I think it's great. Um, I am a little bit worried about the small amount of games. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, like if I start off the way that I started off in the ECQ this last time, like I will 100% make the top 64. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if I start off the way that I started off in some of the other ECQs, I will be crying. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah, I don't it's... know. I it's it's just twelve is just such a like in the grand scheme of things that's a small amount of games. Like for me, and I know this isn't for everybody, man. Even if it's four hundred something of us, man, I'll play twenty eight games. Just I don't mind. But uh, yeah, right. I get it. You know, like why it's not that way. But the other thing too is like, so it's at a uh, ten a.m. Uh, mountain time, right? So yeah. it's, uh, you know, for you, that's, that's, uh, 2 o'clock. Uh, 2.30. 2.30, yeah, yeah. So for you, that's 2 o'clock. For me, it's 9 a.m. Uh, for somebody else, though, it could be 1 a.m. in the morning. Yes. Right? Or, uh, or, or whatever. So, so uh, they have to, they have to account for that. And so it's like, does the person, do they want to make the person who's staying up, even if they gave us six hours to do our runs and said it's 28 games, like first of all, that sounds that sounds crazy. Yes, uh, that's insane. Yeah. Second of all, I think I I think that if they were like if they did it like a normal ECQ because it's just a smaller pool of people, the queue times would be ridiculous. Like you'd be queuing for like like two or three minutes to find one of the four hundred you know one of the five hundred players. Or what if two hundred players had had finished their runs? And then yeah. you you couldn't you couldn't find anybody right. So I, I think I'd they be did... genuinely worried about that. Yeah. So I think that they, part of their decision here was to to account for that and to make it so that you could finish all your games. And they just wanted to get everybody in the same place, make them do everything at the same time. And that's yeah. I think that's probably the way to go. Even though it does create a couple of issues. 
Um, so, you know, whatever. Uh, it is what it is, and I'm, I'll be ready to just, and it will be kind of nice too, because playing 28 games, like, in an ECQ can be kind of a suck. Yeah. It so, sucks. it'll be nice to, like, win or lose, it'll be nice to just play my 12 games and then go do something else. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. like, let's put it this way, and it's, it, I don't know if you feel this way, but I definitely do. I would rather, like, I went 2-6 and six in the, the draft one, um, and then I stopped. And I would rather be, alright, I'm done early. But if I was 2-6 and six in an ECQ, I could be like, I could go 16-4 and four and make it. Yeah. And then yeah, you, exactly. you get to, like, 14 and, like, let's say you go 14 and 0 for a while. So you're 14-6, and six and then it's like, huh. Yeah. Who's your next 7? Well, that was, you know, just four hours of my life but this it's like gonna know pretty quickly where i stand yeah and... well and the other thing too uh is you're not like so i know that you and i when discussing deck choices for the ecq in the past have been like well yeah like like temporal might be a good decision but like do we have the mental energy to play temporal for 28 games <laughs> do we have the mental energy to play film for 28 games like no no we're not gonna do that that's insane <laughs> like yeah. especially like especially with me like you know i've got my daughter like i've got her right now like i'm doing a podcast with while i'm bouncing her on my leg uh so you can probably everybody on uh, oh yeah <laughs> there she is saying hi that's juniper everybody um but you know so i i'm in a spot in life where it's like 12 games is probably more of an optimal number for me and i feel like i can bring the deck that i want if I want to play a no-win-con, like, one sort of the stick Sky King temporal control deck, I feel like I can. <laughs> I, I, I won't. Don't do that. Nobody do that. That's a bad idea. But... Just so people know, for one of the ECQs, I was very close to registering a temporal list that played the only win condition was the Lumen Reclaimer in the market. Oh, gross. I decided I actually, like wanted to have the will to keep fighting and actually finish before Sunday, but <laughs> yeah. I really considered. That's... You're just a horrible <laughs> person, aren't you? Well, well no, uh... I, I like winning, and I thought that'd be a good way to win, but that was actually how the much, ECQ how that much... I was... That was the I ECQ I wasn't play. allowed to play in because I wasn't old Oh, like one of the test tournaments? Like, no, I I missed the first DCQ. I wasn't allowed to play. Oh, no, no, you're right, you're right. Because you came in top four in one of the test tournaments. Yes. And then when they announced the ECQs, they were like, you can't play because you're... Yeah, because in Canada, the age of majority is 19. That's right. Or certain places in Canada. And where I am, it was yeah. that. Yeah. And, yeah, I was like, I hate myself. But I genuinely, if I was allowed to play that event, I would have sleeved up Temporal. I would have bored people to death. And that would have been the win condition. <laughs> yeah, they'd uh, you'd see them like they'd be like, "Oh, Lumen Reclaimer, interesting choice." And then you'd play another Lumen Reclaimer, and they'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> wait, but, wait uh... I, I got bored for your sword, the Sky Kid." Oh yeah, well where that was it? that was a weird meta too because like people were running main deck boar yeah like, in in as a two of, and I'm like that can't like even if there's a ton of, like i don't know i just that was that okay that was a f***ed up meta oh, oh shit i gotta make i gotta make another That's i gotta put some four. more yeah i know i gotta what number four no i yeah you had 
you 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 got it the one I called you out, and then when you were telling yourself what you were gonna edit out, you said it again, and then you said it later like a third time, and I was gonna call you out on it, and then you got this time. I haven't done it once. Oh jeez, I'm just a potty mouth. I'm also running on like three hours of sleep, so it's okay. Over the last like thirty six hours, so excuse this. I know. <laughs> it, you know, this might be a good time to wrap things up. So we can go uh, to bed, yeah. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts about anything we talked about today, GHP? Yeah. Team Rexer is going to win this Master Challenge. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whether it's me or GHP or one of the other Magikarp members. Or... I, man, Magikarp or... Man, Magikarp deserves, deserves a win, I want honestly. Him. I... I... So for those of you who don't know, he hasn't been playing Eternal Tons, but he's going to play... He played the draft challenge after, which you and I were wondering about. And he's going to play this, but he's not, like, invested right now. But I would love to be like, you know, I see the results, and then I'm kind of... Knowing me, I'll probably wake up late if I don't make it on Sunday, and then I say, hey, wait, Magikarp's going to the Worlds? That'd be great. It'd be, I, I would love for him to just bring like a 2016 Praxis tokens list and win the whole thing. And they, all, you know, with only only updating to like put insignias in the power base, that'd be hilarious. Um, that would be the most Magikarp thing to do. He, you know, I don't think he's, I don't think he's that crazy about, anyway. Maybe yeah. he is, I don't know. He does love tokens. Uh, but, uh, okay. I'm starting to ramble, which means it's time for me to sign off and go get some coffee. Uh, yeah. Let's do that. And yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I just shout out to our patrons. Uh, well, patron, uh, Shy City Shogun. He's pledged five dollars a month. Thank you so much, Shy, Shy City Shogun. He has access to our exclusive Patreon Discord, um, uh, the Backlash CCG uh, Discord uh, channel. Uh, and in that channel, we're actually discussing decks. Uh, Shy City Shogun knows exactly what I'm going to play in this Master's Challenge, which is a secret that I'm keeping from everybody else. Um, so if you want access to information like that, uh, or you just want to hang out with a couple of cool dudes uh, and talk about and GHK. Eternal... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a couple of cool dudes and also GHP. But if you want to hang out with us, talk about Eternal toss around deck lists, discuss life, uh, definitely check out um, patreon.com forward slash backlash podcast. There's also some really other really cool rewards, like you can get some custom art from Red Going Gray. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe if we get a couple more Patreons, we can add a couple more tiers. Or maybe well, there's hey. a patron challenge or uh, there is, whatever. There but, is coaching. Oh, yeah, there's also coaching from uh, Notorious GHB as well. Hi. So he's one of the best players, uh, consistently finishing in the top 100. He's won a bunch of tournaments. He just won a couple. Uh, he just won an ETS a couple weeks ago. Generally smart guy. Um, uh, one of our tiers is uh, him offering you uh, an hour, a free hour uh, a month of coaching. Um, so that's really neat. Um, there's a bunch of cool rewards though. So go check out uh, patreon.com forward slash backlash podcast. And a quick shout out to a couple of our other sponsors, uh, inkedgaming.com, uh, play your game your way, get some custom sleeves, playmats, etc., t-shirts, um, use the code TRS12 at checkout and get 12% off your order. And lastly, uh, just a special shout out to teamrankstar.com where uh, you can get eternal strategy articles, 
every single day of the week, uh, for the most part. Um, I know some of us are kind of fickle about our our publishing. Um, not going to name names. Just kidding. It's me. It's mostly me, and it's mostly GHP. But we're focusing on other things right now. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see you next week. Good luck in the master challenge. Yeah. Well, better better luck to me and GHP. Yeah, well, I'm yeah, not going to wish. I'm, I'm you not guys wish can be like third or fourth, but I have a date. Yeah. I like, yeah. I hope you make top eight, and I hope that you lose to me. That's. <laughs> and Tim, I hope you lose to me. If I got what it takes, I'm like, I'll doubt you. You got it, I'll doubt you. You got it, I'll doubt you. And when the day it just becomes a